Bienvenidos and welcome to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza, produced by Nina Serrano, Julieta Kuznir, and Vanessa Bohm. Tonight's program brings our listeners a show full of news, arts, and culture. We'll bring you an update on the state of San Francisco City College. We also have a special poetic treat with Nina Serrano interviewing world-renowned Cuban poet Nancy Morejon, who is currently visiting the Bay Area. We'll also hear about the upcoming Cinemas Festival, featuring the very best in Latino films. We'll also be featuring the music of Chilean rapper Ana Tiju. She just released her latest album called Vengo. Stay tuned to hear tracks off of her new CD. We bring you all this and more, but first, we begin with the news with Vilma V. Stay tuned, no se vayan. Buenas noches, this is Vilma V with Noticias Sin Fronteras, news headlines without borders from America Latina for the week ending August 31st. Ecuador. The government of Ecuador, led by President Rafael Correa, is proceeding with its plans to create the world's first digital currency issued by a sovereign central bank. The yet unnamed digital currency is set to begin circulating this December. President Correa has said that the new currency will help those who cannot afford traditional banking and will be accessible using mobile phone technology. Some financial analysts believe that this is a strategy designed to increase Ecuador's money supply and possibly lead to the abandonment of the U.S. dollar as Ecuador's official currency. El Salvador. The leaders of a number of powerful gangs in El Salvador, including MS-13, Barrio 18, Mau Mau, Maquina, and others, recently announced a relaunch of their 2012 gang truce. The gang leaders have pledged to stop attacking police and military establishments. A gang spokesperson stated, quote, We view this new effort as a second chance for the country to achieve peace, end quote. President Sanchez Seren has not yet recognized the gang truce and is said to be developing his own strategy to reduce violent crime in the country. Estados Unidos a coalition of immigrant and civil rights advocacy groups sued the federal government earlier this month over an expedited deportation process targeting women and children detained at the Artesia Federal Detention Facility in New Mexico. The lawsuit, led by the ACLU and others, alleges that many women have been deported despite being unable to secure attorneys, and many have also had their hearings conducted in front of their children. Advocates believe that the majority of the migrants housed at the Artesia detention facility are being denied due process and proper legal representation. Melissa Crow, legal director of the American Immigration Council, stated, quote, What we are seeing in Artesia is nothing less than a sham process that values expediency over justice, end quote. America Latina, according to the United Nations Development Program, or UNDP, Latin America and the Caribbean have experienced a substantial decrease in the poverty rate in the period covering 2000 to 2012. Poverty levels fell from 42% of the population to 25.3% during that time, and the middle class rose from 22% of the population in 2000 to almost 34% in 2012. The UNDP singled out Bolivia and Peru for achieving some of the largest reductions in its poverty rates. UNDP also praised the progress in Chile and Argentina. It was not all good news, however, since Guatemala saw a 6.8% rise in its poverty levels during the same period, while Honduras, Uruguay, and the Dominican Republic remained largely unchanged. Chile. Last week, Mauricio Ruiz became the first serving member of the Chilean Armed Forces to announce that he is gay. The 24-year-old Chilean sailor told reporters in the Chilean capital of Santiago, quote, We can do anything, be Marines or in any branch of the military. We can do whatever profession and we deserve as much respect as anyone else, end quote. Back in May 2013, the Chilean Congress approved a law barring discrimination based on race, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, gender, appearance, or disability. This has been a summary of some of the latest news headlines from America Latina. I'm Vilma V for Noticias Sin Fronteras and La Raza Chronicles. If you have a news item or feedback that you would like to share, email us at larasachronicles at kpfa.org. Chronicles 
decido de mi tiempo como quiero y donde quiero independiente yo nací independiente decidí yo no camino detrás de ti yo camino de la para ti tú no me vas a humillar tú no me vas a gritar tú no me vas a someter tú no me vas a golpear tú no me vas a denigrar tú no me vas a obligar tú no me vas a silenciar tú no me vas a callar no sumisa ni obediente mujer fuerte insurgiente independiente Welcome back to La Raza Chronicles. I'm your host, Vanessa Bohm, and we have an update on the situation at San Francisco City College. I have on the line with me Greg Landau. He is a professor at the college. Greg, tell us what's going on. Both City College is open and ready for students. The new fall semester is just opened, and we have a lot of openings, and we're encouraging students and people in the community to support City College by registering for classes. With all the confusion caused by the accreditation crisis, we lost maybe 20 to 40,000 students, and we're trying to recover this and keep the school open and healthy. Latin American Studies Department is offering many interesting classes that are still open until September 5th. They'll be having registration, and the professors include Jose Cuellar, alias Dr. Loco, who teaches several classes, Edgar Torres, renowned pre-Columbian art historian and anthropologist, Marco Mojica, Central American scholar, Indiana Cuadra, who teaches women's studies and literature, and several other professors that are teaching a variety of students. So we're inviting people to register now for classes. You can register until September 5th, and there's plenty of room for you. Well, that's wonderful news. What's the best way for folks who are interested in taking classes to register? They can go to ccsf.edu, and they can register online. And there's no prerequisites for taking most of these classes. You can sign up online and show up. Classes just started, so you can still sit in there and catch up. And we're seeing a bright future. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for giving us that update, and we hope that our listeners will go out and check out the classes at San Francisco City College that offers such wonderful variety of classes and really just a wonderful public service for our community. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Creo en lo imposible Que la locura más cuerda es buscar cómo ser libre Creo en lo imposible Que de nuestras espaldas brotarán las alas que nos harán volar invencible Creo en lo imposible Que el simbo silenciará el efecto de sus misiles Creo en lo imposible Creo que es posible hacer de este mundo un mundo sensible Creo en nuestros sueños como punta de lanza El arma perfecta para nivelar la balanza Creo en las acciones, las acciones cotidianas Que te llenan de vida, te llenan de esperanza En lo pequeño radica la fuerza Con tu cariño yo caminaré Imaginando rutinas bellas Para dar vuelta al mundo al revés Empezar por nuestra casa primero, romper con todo nuestro miedo Ser consecuente de cuerpo y de mente, para alzar el vuelo por senderos nuevos Porque tu luz cotidiana enciende la sonrisa que sale por la mañana Creo en ti, porque veo tu fuerza inexplicable, esa puta dignidad no conmensura Creo en ti, yo reafirmo que tu rabia proviene del dolor y tu lucha florece del amor Con vallas, con tropiezos y con penas Creo en el cotidiano que hemos hecho a mano Tallado con el paso de lo que caminamos Nadie muestra su careta Sonrisas y moriquetas Solo esconden la verdad Desarticulando la micropolítica de la vida personal Creo en nuestros sueños volando pa'l cielo Creo en tus acciones más fuertes que balas Transformando nuestro barrio al final de la jornada Con ideas que el dinero no compra ni paga Por eso yo no Los convencidos, ni a predicar a los que se sienten vencidos Yo vine a compartir con quien haya entendido Que la pelea empieza por el nido Porque tu luz cotidiana enciende la sonrisa que sale por la mañana Creo en ti, porque veo tu fuerza inexplicable Esa puta dignidad me convence Creo en ti, yo reafirmo que tu rabia proviene del dolor Y tu lucha 
protegido Creo, creo Tu mirada junto a mí Creo, creo Somos rebeldía Creo, creo La rabia y la alegría Creo, creo Y en nuestros sueños to the song Creo en Ti by Anna Tijoux off of her latest album, Vengo. This is Nina Serrano for La Raza Chronicles. Today's guest is visiting Cuban poet Nancy Morejon. Nancy is known throughout the Americas and Europe as a poet, critic, and essayist. Her work centers on the identity of Cuba as a Creole nation with its roots in many ethnic histories. She herself descends from many backgrounds, including African and Chinese. A supporter of the Cuban Revolution, she also voices the situation of women within society and for racial equality within the Cuban Revolution. Often black women are protagonists in her poems, most notably in the widely anthologized poem Mujer Negra, Black Woman. Her work also treats the grievous fact of slavery as an ancestral experience as well as the joys of daily life and human oneness. With the unclear relationship between our countries today, it's a great treat to have Nancy Morejon visiting the KPFA studios and extending the hand of friendship between our peoples through poetry. Bienvenidos, Nancy Morejon, to KPFA. (laughs) Thank you. She's accompanied by her acclaimed English-language translator, Kathleen Weaver, author of Peruvian Rebel, The World of Magna Portal, The Penguin Book of Women Poets, The Other Voice, 20th Century Women's Poetry in Translation, Chile Sea, Poems of Solidarity, Poems by Eliseo Diego, Fire from the Mountain, The Making of a Sandinista, Omar Cabezas, and Nicaraguan Sketches, among her other works. But most importantly today... She is the translator of Nancy Morejon's first English-language collection of poetry in 1985, Where the Island Sleeps Like a Wing, Selected Poems of Nancy Morejon. Bienvenidos, Kathleen Weaver. Thank you, Nina. (laughs) Well, Nancy, we are so excited that you are able to bypass the myriad of complications of travel between our two countries and look forward to the day when people can go freely back and forth. On your last California tour, Nancy, we discussed your earlier Bay Area visit in the 1980s where you read to recent immigrant families and discussed your upcoming readings at La Peña and book parties here in the Bay Area. These were enthusiastically attended. But today you're about to embark on a similar Bay Area poetry tour. But before we fill listeners in on the places and dates where they can enjoy your performances in person, please let us share some of your work. Yes, uh, thank you very much. It will be a pleasure. And Kathleen, would you please translate each poem after Nancy reads it in Spanish? I will be reading the translations of Pamela Caramel from the new book of poems translated by Pamela Caramel and published by Cubanas Books. Thank you. So, Nancy, would you read the first poem? Poem that uh, I love a lot because it's, it talks about Hemingway. And, you know, Hemingway was so close to Cuba and to Havana, the history of Havana. 
So I will have the pleasure to read it in Spanish, of course, because Spanish is my mother tongue. And Kathleen will read Pamela's. Yes, I'll read Pamela Caramel's translation. Okay. Thank you. Dibujo. En las afueras de la ciudad hay un camino estrecho y polvoriento, seco, extrañamente seco, y por ello mismo el polvo es más fosforescente, un polvo seco que se apega a los humores del cuerpo. Una jungla adversa aparece, el poeta la divisa, o mejor dicho, quiero decir, divisa a la negrita escuálida que se agarra al tubo de la ruta siete como queriendo resistir todos los embates de este momento, resistiendo a los golpes mortales sin más ni más. Yo hablaba de una jungla adversa y me faltó decir que es verde, de un verde botella, de un verde mar, de un verde aqua, de un verde cauce, monte de cristal verde ahumándose. Aún así, San Francisco de Paula ha centrado en mi corazón, en tu rara presencia, y tu follaje intenso de invernadero me recuerda la aspiración precisa de Ernest Hemingway, quien tal vez vio en tu espesura un remedo de los bosques de Michigan. ¿Cómo serán los bosques de Michigan? Se pregunta la negrita escuálida que se desplaza para tomar un asiento libre, el único asiento libre de todo el mediodía. La pregunta es ociosa porque los verdes de San Francisco de Paula los sustituyen y los vencen en su fulgor manifiesto. El asunto es que es este un dibujo, casi un daguerrotipo. El universo de Hemingway y el de la negrita son diferentes, pero han transcurrido en un mismo escenario terrestre, donde lo que cuenta es el deseo de vivir a pesar de. You just heard visiting Cuban poet Nancy Morejón reading her original work from her upcoming new book. And now Kathleen Weaver will be reading the translation and Kathleen will be reading it from the manuscript because the book as yet has not even been published. It will perhaps be in print already, but we don't have a copy of it because it's just coming not off yet, the press. Not yet. So this is uh, Pamela Carmel's translation of the poem that is called Drawing. On the outskirts of the city, there's a narrow, dusty road, dry, so strangely dry, the dust glows phosphorescent, a dry dust that sticks to the body's humors. An unyielding jungle comes into view. The poet spots it, or to be clear, I should say, he spots the scrawny little black girl who holds tight to the number seven bus, just trying to endure the pounding she's taking right then, enduring mortal blows, nothing more. I was talking about an unyielding jungle and failed to mention that it's green, bottle green, sea green, aqua green, river green, a mountain of green glass filling with smoke. Even like this, San Francisco de Paula, in your strange presence, you have entered my heart, and your deep hot house foliage reminds me of Ernest Hemingway's clear aspirations. Perhaps he saw in your dense thicket a poor copy of the forests in Michigan. What must the forests in Michigan be like? The scrawny little girl asks herself as she scrambles to take an empty seat, the only empty seat all afternoon long. Her question is pointless since the greens of San Francisco de Paula crowd out those forests and outdo them with their glaring splendor. The fact is, this is a drawing, almost a daguerreotype. Hemingway's universe and the little black girls are different but they've played out on a similar earthly stage where all that counts is the desire to live in spite of it all. Thank you, Kathleen Weaver. Very good reading. <laughs> Wonderful reading, a very yes. good translation. Yes, these are very nice translations by Pamela Carmel. Well, did you actually see such a painting? 
Well, drawing for me is a magic, and sometimes I myself have been, you know, drawing and so forth. And this was a very deep experience, being in Havana, you know, traveling outside Havana, making a visit to Hemingway's museum, because we do have there a museum of Hemingway's house, which turned out to be a museum, and all his love for Havana and for Cuba. And I wanted to do this because I was making an exercise. I was writing something from his novel, To Have and Have Not, which is a drawing, a sketch of Cuban life in Havana in the 40s which there was great violence and so forth. So the poem is like a dialogue between the experience of a a young black girl, who's not me, of course, but a a dialogue between two people, you know, that shared the same side, but in different views. And they have the same challenge, which is to live in this universe. A beautiful, beautiful poem, Nancy, a beautiful poem. Thank you, Nina. These are, re- I'm really excited to hear the rest of these new poems. They're really yes. hot. Yes. This is a love poem. May I read it? Please. Así lo cuentan las leyendas. Las pisadas del antílope cuando avecina su elegancia alertan al cazador que espera agazapado y trémulo. Así lo cuentan las leyendas. Pero y tus pisadas, y tu sigilosa aparición, esas me toman por sorpresa, me asaltan para siempre, agazapada como el cazador, trémula como la hoja de hierba, sin palabras precisas, sin lengua, como un bozal del siglo XIX. And Kathleen with Pam Carmel's translation. Yes. So the legends go. The footsteps of the antelope, as its elegance draws closer, alert the hunter who lies in wait crouched down and trembling. So the legends go. But what about your footsteps and your stealthy approach? All of that takes me by surprise, forever assails me, crouched down like the hunter, trembling like a blade of grass, without the right words, without a language, like a slave just off the boat in the 19th century. Thank you. These are just wonderful poems, Nancy. Oh, thank you very much, Nina. It's very exciting to Um, hear sister poets grow. (laughs) Even when we're no longer young women, we just keep on (laughs) developing and deepening. It's very exciting. Very very much, very much. To to meet you again and, you know, and to read my poems to you is not the very first time. And it will not be the last one. Yes, it will not be the last one. I have some exciting news to share with both you and Kathleen today. Yesterday, which was my 80th birthday, I received notice like 32 minutes before it turned to my birthday on the email that I have received the 2014 Poetry Award by Penn Oakland for my new book, Heartstrong. Oh, congratulations, oh, Nina. You. This thank is you. our you know, holiday. This is our fortune to yes. listen to that. <laughs> yes, so I'm so happy to share it with you and with the listeners. But please, Nancy, more poems and okay. Kathleen yes. translation. So, this is a long one, but it's one of my favorite in this collection. Yes, I will yeah. read the introduction, the very first part of the poem, because it's a long poem. Enjambre. Bajo las claridades de la mañana vi el árbol frondoso de la creación. Decía el poeta antillano en la noche tan fría de su retorno a casa. El niño en su sueño esperó otras palabras. El vapor de los puertos cae ahora. Sube al monte, a la montaña. Desbroza la manigua seca. Entra las cuevas húmedas de estalactitas y los ramos de helechos adheridos a los muros ennegrecidos de la cascada. El salto de Soroa frente a la boca del Caribe. Filas de curiosos rodean la ladera rocosa. Un extraño, un extraño olor a eternidad se pierde en la naturaleza. Ninguno recordaba su infancia. La atmósfera era tan brillante. La vida estaba tanto en la atmósfera que era un crimen pensar. Estar allí 
y desear las lagunas, las aguas y ese aire que corre y cae devolviéndonos la fiesta inaugural de la vegetación. En la ventana de mi casa, bajo las señales del mediodía, veré la esponja de mar, la línea oscilante del murex que el amor más hermoso encontró alguna vez sobre la arena y abandoné sin miedo para siempre. Así fue como reverdecieron las bugambilias, lilas, los álamos, los dardos y las flores de Pascua, los suspiros y esas espinas más gigantescas aún que el propio tiempo. Dicen que a su morada hará su entrada Ochun, toda cubierta de miel y mariposas. Veré el enjambre revoloteando sobre nuestras cabezas y cargaremos el olvido hasta el río más cercano. And now the English translation read by poet Kathleen Weaver. Yes, this is of course continuing with Pam, Pamela Caramel's translation. The title of the poem is Swarm. In the bright splendor of the morning, I saw the leafy tree of creation, said the Antillian poet on his way home one very cold night. The child in his dream awaited other words. Mist from the port is falling now. It climbs up the hill, up the mountain, parts the dry jungle thicket, enters the damp caves filled with stalactites and clusters of ferns, held fast to the blackened walls of the waterfall. Sorora falls at the mouth of the Caribbean. Lines of the curious encircle the rocky slope. Nature carries off the strange scent of eternity. No one gave a thought to childhood. The air all around glowed bright. Life was so filled with that air it was a crime to think. To be there and to long for the lagoons, the waters, and that air that flows and falls and takes us back to the first celebration of trees and flowers. From the window of my house, in the first light of midday, I'll glimpse the sea sponge, the oscillating path of the murex snail that the most beautiful love once found in the sand and that I fearlessly left behind forever. So it was that everything turned green again. The bougainvilleas, lilacs, poplars, buds on trees and Easter lilies, morning glories, and those thistles far larger than time itself. They say Ochun, all covered in honey and butterflies, will make her way into her dwelling. I'll see the swarm whirling above our heads and will cast oblivion into the nearest river. Thank you. Ay, que bello. What a beautiful you look, poem. Do you like it? Yes. <laughs> the, the image of Ochun covered in honey, followed by butterflies. Yeah, it was beautiful. And also, for me, alludes a little bit to Gabriel Garcia Marcos, where we see the butterflies yes, following the man down the yeah. road. It's almost the symbol of Latin America itself. Yes, it is. It is our nature, you know. I think I have never realized that I'm, as a human being, as a Cuban, as a Caribbean, you know, I love nature, which means that I respect our environment. And recently, you know, there are the, these ecologists who work for saving that. is a great, great value for humankind. And I, I do believe I trust that and that my perspective, my gaze towards reality begins with nature. Well, it's really reflected in these beautiful poems. I want to refer back to that poem about Hemingway. I visited Hemingway's house, and I've also been in Michigan. And <laughs> so, and, and then it occurs to me that Detroit is the capital of Michigan. Well, the city of Detroit right now is in ruins. And I have heard. It is not only in ruins, it's without water. They're withholding the water for the poor who can't pay these exorbitant water bills. So that was all coming up in that poem about this little girl on the bus wondering about the woods of Michigan and then remembering how the grounds were about the Hemingway house there in Cuba, so green, so lush, that no way could the woods of northern Michigan be as full of vegetation as in the Caribbean. Yes, let me tell you, this is a kind of premonition. I don't know if the word is too weird, premonition. 
And I do believe that poetry, in a way, in its style or whatever, it's the kingdom of premonition. So when I wrote the poem, there was no, the situation was unknown. The one in Detroit today. But, you know, this is a lesson for us, which means that we need to be very aware of our environment and that we should take care of it because life comes from there, not from merchandises. And, and nature is a resource, a very strong resource. And when you don't have it, you realize what is the meaning of, of nature. But uh, I think that we have to be grateful to poetry that allowed us to understand these things better than uh, an essay or an academic speech or whatever. A poem can take you there and show you how possible it is to be in touch with nature. We need it. It's our uh, essential behavior. We should take care of our environment. These are the beautiful words of Nancy Morejon, visiting Cuban poet. I want to share with you her agenda here in the Bay Area. She's going to be reading at the Coret Library, which is the San Francisco Public Library, the main branch, on Thursday, September 4th at 6 p.m. And then she'll be reading again on Sunday, September 7th, at the Emerald Tablet in San Francisco, an art gallery in North Beach from 4 to 7 p.m. And then on Wednesday, the 17th, she'll be appearing at Moe's Bookstore in Berkeley. For complete information, go to Cubana Books, where you can find out about her upcoming book, how to order it, and her schedule. Is there anything you would want to add, Kathleen, about the agenda? If I'm not mistaken, there is also a reading on the 4th at the San Francisco State Poetry Center in the afternoon. At San Francisco State University. So that is a heavy day, September 4th. There's a reading in the afternoon at San Francisco State and a reading at the main branch of the San Francisco Library at 6 p.m. And that's how you will be able to hear Nancy Marijón in person. And if you go to Cubana Books, you'll be able to order her very latest books. Gracias. Gracias, Kathleen oh, Weaver. So gracias much. a ti, Nina. Gracias, Un beso. Nancy. Beso, abrazos. Mucho amor para ti. Gracias. listening to La Raza Chronicles, Cronicas de la Raza. We are very lucky to have in the house wonderful filmmakers and incredible actors. I just got to see this great film that's going to be part of Cinemas Film Festival, which we look forward to every single year. So it's not every day that you have movie stars in the house. So I really want to welcome to the studio lead actress from the film Crying Now, Ileana Carter, who plays Lucy in the film Crying Now, and Alberto Barbosa, who is the director, writer, and producer of Crying Now, which is the feature film that's opening up the Cinemas Film Festival. Thank you two for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us, Julieta. Well, it's such a pleasure. It's a pleasure because, first of all, it's a film that highlights L.A. in a way that is really beautiful and poetic, a lot of incredible shots. 
But also, we get to see a part of LA that's often ignored on screen. And if it is portrayed, it's portrayed in a way that's really stereotypical and furthering a lot of negative ideas around Chicano folks, around brown folks in general. And it's just so great to see characters on the screen that are lovable and also interesting and complex and also really into art and culture, which we know is so important in LA's scene. So, Ileana, why don't we start with you? You portray Lucy, the main character, who is also, it's a love story for people who don't know. This is a really, it's an important love story about um, some folks that um, have a lot of forces that are pulling them apart. So, Ileana, why don't you tell me a little bit about what it was like for you to play a character that in many ways is kind of going against a lot of stereotypes in the sense that it's a it's a more complete picture of a Chicana woman in LA. Sure, yeah. Um it was it was great for me. Um I'm I'm extremely honored and happy to have been a part of the film. Uh I a lot of the film was shot in Boyle Heights in the east part of LA and just like you were talking about, uh, we don't get to see, you know, the, on the news when you when you tend to hear about East LA or, you know, and the the Latino community whether it's here in the bay, you know, or down in LA, or or really anywhere. Whenever you hear of communities of color, um, you tend to hear like, oh, high speed pursuit, or you know, there's a robbery here, somebody got shot. But really, there's so much culture and there's so much happening. Uh, just like here in the Mission, you know, there's art, there's music, um, and I was living in Boyle Heights, uh, which is where a lot of the film was shot for the last several years, and uh, I was part of that community. So to be able to, pr- to portray a woman who's you know strong, she's a tattoo artist. She she kind of goes against. Uh, the idea of like the super feminine, either, you know, uh, virgin whore kind of complex that we tend to see Latina women on screen as, um, I mean, it was great. <laughs> she portrays really more, She's that character is a lot more like uh, my female friends in LA, you know. And I think that's why people will relate to this film and also just find comfort and see themselves in their community in it. So you really made a point to include so much of the art and culture and music that we here in the Bay love as well, because a lot of the artists that are featured, whenever they play in the Bay, they sell out. They're just really, really loved here. So why was it so important for you? And maybe you should take a step back and walk us through why you decided to invest in telling this story and why you decided to make art and culture such a big part of it. Well, I I studied at UCLA. I received my Bachelor's of Arts at UCLA, and I lived uh, near UCLA. I lived like in the Brentwood area, Westwood area. But once I got accepted into the film program, the master's film program, I made a conscious decision to move to the east side of L.A. If I was going to make film, if I was going to create images, I wanted them to come from that point of view. I wanted it to come from a working class uh, Latino Chicano point of view. Um, so I, I consciously moved, you know, an hour away from campus um, just to be around it. Um, and from the beginning, my short films were set in Boa Heights. The murals um, in Boa Heights were the backdrop to my short films. Um, I would attend, you know, the concerts of Very Be Careful, Hermano Serrera, uh, the Doghouse Lords, more recently Irene Diaz. Um, so th- that's where I lived. That's where I enjoyed my life. And it's full of full of culture, full of art. Um, and right before writing the film, um, I, you know, found a, uh, like an inst- sort of like a manual, um, a really good guide. Um, the author's name, I believe, is Robert McKee. And the first rule is write from something you know in and out. You know, write something that you know very, very well. Write a, a universe you know very well. Otherwise, wait until you've re- researched it thoroughly enough that you can actually speak about it. So I knew I wanted to tell a love story um, and where best to set it. But, you know, the place that I that I lived and the place that I really, really sort of developed myself, all, all the artists in the film are my friends. You know, I've been following them for years and, you know, we know each other. They've, you know, very be careful has played, you know, my birthdays at my house, you know. Um, so we're all we're all we're all good friends. We're all family. We all we all strive to do the best work we possibly can in music, in art, and in film, and in theater. We have a big theater community that we're part of. So, That's the voice of Alberto Barboso. He is the director, writer, and producer of Cry Now, which is going to be a part of the Cinemas Festival, and it's actually going to open the festival up. Why don't you give our listeners some details about the exciting opening that's going to kick off this important festival? Um, well, it's a, it's an incredible honor, you know, to be opening night film at the San Francisco Latino Film Festival. 
Um, again, you know, we, we understand very well that the barrios, you know, of, of the Mission District are, you know, family with those, you know, in East L.A., the west side of San Antonio. We had, a, you know, the good fortune of um, presenting at Cine Festival in San Antonio. Um, all these hubs of, um, of, of Latino culture um, aren't new. You know, they've been around for, for generations now, uh, decades, you know. They, they start with the, with the social movements, you know. Um, there's a lot of organizing. There's a lot of artists that lend their work to, to, to that movement. So wherever we land, you know, whatever barrio we land, you know, we, 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 our film, you know, resonates with the folks there because we're basically the next generation, you know, um, our mentors, you know, um, sort of paved the way. And now it's our turn to to tell our stories um, and, and create our images. And I, I know I know that in San Antonio and in Los Angeles and, and we hope that in San Francisco, um, our elders are proud of us and our colleagues are happy for us and the young folks are inspired by us. That's really what our intention is. Yeah, and if I could speak on that also. Um, another thing, uh, I mentioned this earlier, is that uh, I just recently read an article by, the, there was a study that was released by, I think it was uh, USC, I could be wrong, um, but I'm pretty sure it was USC, about uh, movie going, the movie-going audience. Um, and th- so the Latino population, we make up like 17% of the population. Um, roughly 32%, I think, of movie going of the movie going audience. So we buy a huge amount of tickets, um, and at the same time, only about four percent of speaking roles are actually Latinos. So it's a it's a huge disparity in terms of you know we make up we spend so much money at the box office, um, and yet we don't get to see ourselves on screen. You know, and then when we do see ourselves on screen, it's, it's you know negative stereotypes, gang bangers, and you know drug addicts, which it, it is a part of our community. You know, those are our brothers, our sisters. You know, but at the same time, that's not all who we are. We're such a diverse community. You know, we're such so diverse and, and in so many different ways. So to be able to portray, have different and positive uh, portrayals of ourselves on screen, I think, is incredibly important. And all I can say is, you know, if we're willing to go out and spend so much money, you know, on the next big blockbuster or whatever, the least we can do is also support ourselves and, and support our community so that we can have more of that on a larger level. We're talking about the film Cry Now, which is going to be featured in the Cinemas Film Festival, which is kicking off in just a moment. We have in the studio with us Alberto Barbosa and Ileana Carter, who's the lead actress from the film. Uh, one thing that I really took away from the film is it, you know, really create us, Alberto, you really create a sense of place where whether it's in a backyard party with mariachis or, you know, with a big banda sound or wh- whether it's in a little uh, almost gallery party with, you know, papel picado and, uh, you know, it really has a sense of place where you can, the art is very prominent. So give us, I'd love to hear from both of you about what flavor, what feel do people have if they walk away? What kind of taste will they have of Boyle Heights? Um, well, aside from, you know, the, the, the genuine locations that we shot at, we shot at self-help graphics um, at their old venue, which is, you know, a staple of, of arts in general in Los Angeles. I mean, yes, it's in, it's in East L.A., but if, if you're an artist, if, you, if you've done serious work in Los Angeles, if you print, um, whether you're Chicano or not, you have to, have, you have to know about self-help graphics. So we, you know, we had the, the honor of, 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 you know, opening our film there. Actually, our film opens at Self-Help Graphics at the old venue in East L.A. Uh, we had the, you know, great fortune of working with El Mac, uh, who's a, you know, world-renowned muralist, uh, visual artist. Uh, he designed both of the posters for our film, the Cry Now poster. And, you know, towards the end, he, you know, you, you see a, a, a reveal of a, of a love campaign poster. And he also designed that as well. So we're really fortunate to be working with some of the top artists and venues in terms of art in, in, in East L.A. Yeah, but I think um, another part of it is that, that, like he mentioned, they're genuine locations. You know, So it was shot in Boyle Heights. It was also shot in like San Pedro, San Pedro, um, also in Oxnard. And since, you know, we don't, it's an independent movie, uh, meaning we didn't have funding. They didn't have, you know, really a, a ton of money to be spending left and right to get, you know, sets or anything like that. So everything you see is real. You know, it's real, genuine. Like the party was a party. Like, you know, we really enjoyed ourselves and it was with friends. Um, one of the scenes, the opening scene, uh, where uh, the first the first time you see my character Lucy, 
It's it's shot in Boyle Heights at uh, First Street Studios, which was a studio that no longer exists there, but um, it was run by my roommate, Lilia Ramirez, who actually wasn't roommates with until afterwards. Um, but yeah, and Very Be Careful is playing. There's Cumbia playing. I mean, the way that you get 400 people or, you know, a couple hundred people to show up is not paying them, saying, hey, guys, we're going to have a party. Come through, you know, and people show up and we party and, you know, we have fun together. And um, so I think that you walk away with that sense uh, that it, it rings true, you know, because it is true, because it, it really is us and our friends and the music that we listen to and our family members too you know in Oxnard um, they shot at a um, family's house and uh, yeah so so like I said I mean hopefully you walk away with feeling like you know what that's that is what it's like on the weekend because for me when I watch the movie that's the thing that I really enjoy about it um, almost more than anything else is like I feel like I can show this movie to my my kids and my grandkids and be like back in the day when I was young you know this is what my weekend looked like you know and to continue with the theme of the weekend, a big part of this film, Cry Now, is the music, which is really, you know, beautiful and also really gives a lot of life to a lot of the important scenes. And what's really great about it is you actually get to see the performers. You know, oftentimes with the soundtrack, it's, you know, it's great, but you don't really get to, the musicians themselves are characters in the film. So that's really beautiful. Why don't you, uh, Alberto, do you want to give our, our listeners a, a peek at to some of the people they'll get to hear when they see the film and actually see? Yes, actually, um, very be careful. A Vallenato band um, from Los Angeles is sort of like where our protagonists meet. Um, they meet again at a rockabilly uh, club where the Doghouse Lords are playing, which are formed by legendary members of the Cramps and the Blasters. The Hermanos Herrera, which are you know also a great, great Norteño band. Uh, that come from a long lineage of, of musicos. Um, and then finally, you know, we, we had the great fortune of, of uh, finding uh, Irene Diaz um, at one of the local joints in, in Boa Heights right at the time when we were shooting our last pickups. Um, so there's, um, you know, w- one of the notes that we got is that people wanted to see more of Lucy. So we created about two, three more scenes um, to to give more you know, more screen time to the character. And um, Irene Diaz, you know, is is part of a girl's night out. And she, you know, she blesses us with one of her tracks called I Love You Madly. And we're going to hear some Irene Diaz. So our listeners already know we are big fans of Irene Diaz. They get to hear a lot of her, but we're going to hear a little more of her because she's pretty irresistible. So we're going to leave you with a track from Irene Diaz. But to close out, we know that we want our listeners to be able to catch the film on the big screen because it is so powerful that way. So what are the details again? So when can people see the film and how can they make sure they don't the tickets don't run out? Yes, please uh, log on now um, to the San Francisco Latino Film Festival website. Um, tickets are already available for opening night, uh, which will be at the Brava Theater in the Mission District. There's going to be a really great party afterwards at, I believe it's Brick and Mortar with uh, Buyapongo, which is uh, another Vallenato band from, from Los Angeles and Las, Las Bomberas de la Bahia, I believe is their name, uh, from out here in the Bay. So it's going to be... A great, great evening, uh, really enjoyable film, and then a really great party afterwards. We're also uh, having a second screening on September 27th at 1 p.m. at the Mission Cultural Arts Center. So please join us either for opening night uh, or for closing day. We'd love to, you know, we'd love to share the film with you. We are talking about the film Cry Now, which is going to premiere in just a little bit, and people can hop on it and watch the film on the 19th and on the 27th. And they need to move fast because tickets tend to sell out for this festival. So we are speaking to director, writer, and producer Alberto Barbosa and Ileana Carter, who is the one of the main protagonists. She it plays the character Lucy in this film and really is just a, a an actress you can't help but, you know, you want to see more and more of. I agree with all the notes. Everyone, the notes are right. You want more. So, um, so I know that this film was actually the last film for Lupe Ontiveros. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, she's such an important actress and has been in so many important films. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, what it was like to work with such a great, great performer? Yeah, I mean, Lupe, I've said this before, Lupe was a godsend. Um, more so than any other um, veteran in the industry, um, she was m- 
a bigger supporter of independent cinema than than anybody else really i i don't i haven't met anyone who was as as supportive and as committed to helping the next generation um she went as far as you know doing a kickstarter page for us um prior to to passing away we weren't aware that she was ill at the time um, and it was just, you know, it was a blessing. She was also my, my hardest critic. Um, she originally had, you know, written the role where she was sort of more like a curandera. And she was like, you know, Alberto, I've, I've done that already. I've done that plenty of times, you know, and there's plenty of, you know, actresses in town that would love the opportunity, you know, to play this role. Um, if you want me to do it, then let's modify this. I want, I want my character to be more practical in her counseling and in her wisdom. Um, and she was right. You know, she was right. You know, she the 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 film is better for it. You know, and and I really appreciate you know all all the support and 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 the love you know that she gave us. And um, I hope that her message of love um, you know really resonates you know for the audience. Uh, the film is dedicated to her. And so we are we've had a chance to hear from director and actor from the film Cry Now. This has been La Rosa Chronicles. Thank you all. We're going to leave you with a song from Irene Diaz, who is featured in the film, along with many other important artists. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you, Julita. Thank you, gracias.
of days And I'll come for you Every which way Donde la humanidad fuera fundamental Donde todos fuéramos iguales, universal Sin patrones ni amos, ni el nuevo orden mundial ¿Cómo sería este mundo sin capital? Donde la vida fuera lo más elemental Sin patrones ni amos, ni tu nuevo orden mundial Y sin tu fuerza policial to the song Todo lo Solido Se Desvanece en el Aire by Chilean rapper Ana Tiju off of her latest album Vengo. You've been listening to La Raza Chronicles Crónicas de la Raza Stay tuned next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for more news, arts, and culture from America Latina. Hasta la próxima y buenas noches.